Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a fresh edition of the Not Another Bucking Podcast. Took a couple weeks off at the end of the season, but but we're back. We're here. It's it's dry January, and by that we, of course, mean the time of year in which the Broncos are not participating <laughs> in football games. Uh, Nate Kreckman, you know this time well, having covered this team uh, in your role as an analyst at uh, 92.5 FM, the Kreckman and Lindahl Show, every weekday from 3 to 6 um, you have followed this team for a while. Dry Januaries are just sort of a thing here. Not for me personally, but they are for the Broncos. Yeah, they <laughs> they typically will get a game. Uh, what what like right in the first week of January, and then that's it. Yeah. yeah, we don't know what playoff football is like anymore. The that stat where the Broncos have the longest playoff drought of anybody except for the Jets still. Yeah, it just absolutely blows my mind. In a year in which the Cleveland Browns went to the playoffs, in a year in which. The Detroit Lions went to the playoffs, a year in which the Houston Texans are supposed to be rebuilding. And not only do they go to the playoffs, they win a playoff game and and get an opportunity now to, to go on the road and play Baltimore. Like it's we've just watched so many teams. We've watched teams peak and then Valley and then peak again while the Broncos have just resided in the dumpster of the NFL for the, the better part of a decade now. Yeah, and it's funny in the um, in the celebratory afterglow um, of Super Bowl Fifty. I have a one of my closest friends is a, is a diehard Broncos fan, has been his whole life, and and in his sort of like tear filled joy, he says um, tear filled drunken joy says uh, this is this is everything. Like if we don't if we don't make the playoffs for ten years, I will be okay. And how's he doing now? (laughs) I have many times revisited this conversation with him. And, um, you know, as believe it or not, um, he has regret about something he, he, uh, uttered in, in a, in a drunken state. So, um, because yeah, it's, it's almost, and it it does, it really is like, golly, can we just give this thing back perhaps? And and, when you uh, say it out loud, it doesn't sound like it's like, that's one of those things you say, right? And you don't think it's real. You don't think the Broncos can be this incompetent for this long. And yet this is the world that we now live in. Yeah, it, it is, it is wild. Eight years goes by in a flash. So Nate, I, I want to get to a few things with you today. We're going to talk about Russell Wilson a little bit. We're going to talk about, you know, the, the draft, the, 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 the decisions that the Broncos have to make in this offseason. But I want to start, we're, we're recording this on Friday morning, um, you know, kind of an awesome division slate, or yeah. at least we hope was awesome. Super wild card was less than super. One game decided by less than a possession. I um, still but, enjoyed it though, right? Like, Yeah, I, I hear you. Green Bay beating the doors off of the Cowboys in Dallas, you know, shots of angry Jerry Jones. That's wonderful. You know, the the Eagles just coming apart at the seams and, and Tampa beating those guys and Jeffrey Lurie's angry stare directly ahead. Like, yes, there was there was one great game and it was a very great game, um, you know, b- by those standards. But still, like, I thought there was a lot entertaining about Super Wild Card Weekend. I enjoyed it even if it wasn't necessarily the best football. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And, and, you know, watching watching guys that are performing at their peak, um, you know, I, I thought Mahomes, after a whole season in which you're just like, when it, it, he turns it on and becomes Mahomes, Josh yep. Allen was was amazing. And so um, magnificent. That, that's where we have to start. I, I mean, this, this game against uh, – between the Bills and the Chiefs, Saturday, 4 o'clock Mountain Time, you know, obviously two teams, crazily enough, that the Broncos – beat this season, right? They beat Patrick Mahomes in Denver. They went to Buffalo and beat a Bills team. And this was pre-firing of um, of Ken Dorsey 
And um, the, the Bills have obviously turned it on since then. But um, what what just has you most excited? Because I, I can't I can't think of a time and in, in it's been a minute since I've been like this excited to just sit down and watch a football game. Yeah, I can't get on board with you, man. Chiefs, Bills, that's two teams that lost to the Broncos. So that that's that's all that I see when I look at this game. It, this isn't about a generational talents matching up in a great rivalry. You know, Mahomes having to play his first road playoff game of his career. Now, what we're looking at is two teams that couldn't well I guess the Chiefs did once but that struggled with Russell Wilson and the Broncos that that to me is problematic in a playoff game yeah by aggregate score the Chiefs <laughs> lost to the to the yes. Broncos this year so um yeah very clearly um Denver sh- should be in here but you know it is it's like it's just an interesting deal uh, it, when we view it through that lens of of who the Broncos were in those moments yeah. um, versus who the Chiefs and Bills were, like it's pretty wild that teams have this ability to just sort of like shed their you know exoskeleton, I guess, and 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 become this new creature when the playoffs begin. Um, because the, this Chiefs team and and certainly this Bills team, they don't look anything like what those units were when they were playing the Broncos. No, I I saw the Chiefs catch a lot of passes last week and even as stupidly and ridiculously cold as it was, um, you know, and Rasheed Rice, maybe he's going to become the guy and and he was great last week against Miami and he certainly showed flashes in the season and maybe he's now just going to be that guy and he's going to he's going to help, you know, find Kansas City's footing in their passing game and, and find some competence right there. You know, for Buffalo, it was let's let's make the coaching change and you know Ken Dorsey is out and Joe Brady is in the biggest thing right there though is like look at a lot of the metrics their offense actually isn't as good what's the big difference they're not turning the ball over which was essentially with Sean McDermott that was the drum that he was banging with this team was if we can just stop killing ourselves and we saw it when they played Denver if we can stop making these sorts of mistakes, like our talent will shine through and that's what's happening with the Bills right now and you know Allen's playing out of his mind but that's kind of just like what he's always been like he was an mvp candidate all year long i don't think he's going to win the award i think that lamar's going to win it but he he really had a magnificent season it's just you know can you not make the back-breaking turnovers and you know he he didn't last week he hasn't generally over the course of this win streak and you know with getting kansas city at home if buffalo can avoid you know the 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 josh allen brain fart they they're going to beat this team. I really think that they're going to do it. And, you know, sometimes sometimes it happens in the weirdest year. Like, this has not been the best season of Buffalo Bills football, but maybe this is what they needed. Maybe they needed that adversity. They needed to make a coaching change. They needed a wake-up call, and a light bulb has gone on. And Josh Allen has generally played pretty clean football here of late, and y- you see how good this team is. Yeah, I I'm with you. I, I think his his ability to play, and that's what I think that's what excites me about this game too, is that like you saw the difference in that Miami game uh, with Kansas City, the difference between a quarterback who just can play in all sorts of uh, conditions and a quarterback that needs a lot of ideal things happening for him in order yeah. to succeed. And these are two guys that are just absolutely going to be nonplussed by whatever the elements are in Buffalo, which I, I don't think will will touch what they were in Kansas city or even what they were in Buffalo last weekend. Sure. So, so the weather I think is going to be not, not an issue. Um, and, and I'm, I'm just really excited to see what, which, how much, cause we, we saw that in the two years ago playoff game where, 
they just kept one upping each other, mm-hmm. Mahomes and Allen. And, and I agree. If you take away some of that turnover element, which is not frustrating that we sit here and we analyze these games, we analyze these players, we talk about this this game nonstop, and and it's always what it comes down to, like yeah. who turns the ball over and who doesn't, um, like more than any other statistic. So, um, but I'm with you. I, I'm I'm Buffalo. Do you have any? We'll, we'll kind of move on a second. Do you have any other thoughts about um, the rest of these games? Because I, I kind of hate it when I did, when he did our picks in the athletic, but I'm, I'm kind of all chalk this weekend. And, um, you know, but is, do you have, do you have any thoughts on any of those other games going a different way? I, the, the thing that I am most excited about is, uh, I'm ready to watch another weekend of, of Jordan love and CJ Stroud. I I'm really excited about these two young players, man. Jordan love is there, there are shots of him. And if you look at, you know, like all 22 film, like, he looks like Aaron Rodgers out there. He looks like prime good Aaron Rodgers, not current day weird Aaron Rodgers. Like his, his he's making those those crazy back foot throws. He's changing arm angles all over the place. He's throwing with accuracy. His command over the offense. Last nine games, twenty one touchdowns to one interception. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, like stat. the he's on the MVP train next year. Is is what Jordan Love looks like right now. And and they haven't even like you've watched good players move into bigger roles playing with him right now, but they haven't even fully invested in that offense around him here at the moment. So I'm really excited about Jordan Love. And look, we've we've watched games where and granted it was Baltimore, but we've watched games where Brock Purdy starts giving the ball away. And yeah. and and that that part of the intrigue right there is like I think Jordan Love can make you pay if you're going to make mistakes like that. So I'm not ready to just hand that game to the 49ers. Like, look, are they the best roster in the NFC? Of course they are. Should they win that game? Of course. Look at what the point spread is on that game. It's not wrong, but also there is a world where I could see Love pulling that off. CJ Stroud, is he going to go into Baltimore and beat those guys? I don't know, but I want to watch him throw those tight window balls once again. What a fun player to watch right here at the moment. You know, we... We went through, you know, th- this NFL, uh, this is our first postseason since 1998 without Brady and Manning. We've all seen that statistic floating around out there. Bill Belichick is is interviewing right now. Pete Carroll is not a coach in the league here at the moment. Like, there is some really cool, fun stuff happening in the NFL. And this changing of the guard, Mahomes and Allen have certainly become, um, you know, the premier quarterback rivalry in the game today, the the Brady and Manning of their era. But these young quarterbacks in Jordan Love and C.J. Stroud, I'm, I'm just ecstatic that I get to watch them again. Even if they don't advance, and maybe it is too early for them to be playing in, in an AFC or NFC championship game, I'm still excited to get to watch those guys. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think a couple of my other thoughts are, man, do you do you think that the Packers at this point would like turn back the dial and, and just wish that they could could have kicked Aaron Rodgers out of the door sooner? Um, not not because he still wasn't playing pretty good football, because he was. Mm-hmm. But when you add all this stuff, and and maybe maybe they didn't see, you know, Jordan Love closing a playoff season right. with 21 to 21 to one. Um, touchdown interception, which again is just a mind-boggling stat, and, and playing the way that he is. But certainly, they would have had an inkling of, of of what he was what he was capable of becoming. You just you just sit back and say, man, if if this was his second year as a full time starter, um, what they might look like at this point. The I, other thing, I, th- I think the biggest thing there, really, Nick, is is like we can't rewrite history, right? right. Um, Jordan Love had an opportunity to 
you know, sit back and learn much the way Rodgers did under Favre. Like this has been Green Bay's MO. It's worked yet again. They look like the smartest damn organization in football. Like give them all the credit in the world for that. The, uh, on that question, I think the the one biggest thing is not not kick Aaron Rodgers to the curb. He's he's playing MVP football, but and I'm I'm like a millennial Gen X cusp, so I feel like an idiot using this word. The vibes are so much yeah. better with right. the Green Bay Packers right now. Um, I think Matt LaFleur is a really good coach. We do not give that guy the credit that he deserves of, you know, winning 13 games three years in a row, reshaping the latter stages of Aaron Rodgers career because he looked cooked at the end of the Mike McCarthy era. I think Matt LaFleur can flat out coach. I think this is one of the best coaches in all of football today. And we don't talk enough about him. Like from that tree, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, get all the credit. Mike McDaniel is such a fun character. Don't kick Matt LaFleur out of bed. That dude can flat out coach, and he's proved it yet again, and he's developed love into this player, um, and he's developed this offense with these new pieces. It's That part of it is really cool to watch. I bet you the folks in Green Bay are saying to themselves, we put up with a lot of BS for a really long time, and – you know, I, I bet Gutekunst and company, every time that they see Roger spouting his nonsense on McAfee, <laughs> they just sit back and go, not our problem not anymore, thank problem God. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the part of it where it's like you look at the Packers right now. They're young. They're fun. Um, and, and Jordan Love is one of the most fun players to watch in all of football. That's the part of it that I look at and I say, like, OK, good for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, it's it's wild because I, I think I, they they another team that played the Broncos and didn't look anything like what they look like now. Jordan Love included. Yeah. After that game, thinking sort of, you know, he had his moments in that game. He had his throws, but you're just thinking, I, you know, I, I don't know. Turn the ball is, over. That was that the was the difference over. in that game. And and here he is now. Um, I, I think with the 49ers, uh, the thing that interests me is a lot of those starters have had three weeks off. Kyle Shanahan has had all the time in the world to yeah. to dissect. You know the. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure he had a had a file ready to go on Dallas. Um, they have it ready to go on Green Bay. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a chance that that just there being fresh for the first time in a long time that they just come out and blow the doors off. They and could. if they do early, that could happen. Um, the other thing I'm I'm really curious to see is is what 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 do we see out of Baker Mayfield in that in that other game against the Lions? Um, you know, here's a guy that threw for 330 plus yards against an Eagles defense that has just nosedived over the second Awful. half of the season. Yeah, um, Detroit not it's it's not a terrifying defense, and they certainly have holes that can be exploited in the secondary. If they can kind of keep Baker upright, I, it, it wouldn't surprise me if that game turns into a little bit of a shootout too. Well, there's I, there's just such good pass catching, veteran pass catching options with that Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, and 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 Baker Mayfield, I think, has proven to us like, I he he's such an interesting case study, and I know we'll we'll talk more in the off season about what is going to happen with all of these quarterbacks, and the, the question of what do you pay Baker Mayfield right now to me is a fascinating one, but in in the moment and in going into this game, I think what Baker has shown us is. Um, and, and I think there is something that relates back to Denver right here. I think this is what Sean Payton was looking for is Baker Mayfield's a good system quarterback. I don't, I don't think Baker Mayfield's a great player. Um, I, Baker Mayfield is a guy that, it, you know, it, when it gets hairy in the pocket, he gets happy feet. Um, I think at times he's got a very strong arm. I think he overtrusts his arm strength from time to time, and he tries to fit the ball into windows that just aren't necessarily there. But what Baker has shown us is, number one, 
I think he's great in the locker room. I think his teammates yeah. love him. I think he's a very good leader. I think he's a guy that walked into the league, you know, um, j- just on, on the highest of highs, number one overall pick. I think he's been knocked down many pegs. I think he's put the work in, and and I think he's very highly respected by his teammates. I think you see that when you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um Baker's the kind of guy that you can win football games with if you have a lot of good things going on around him. Like, and and any quarterback could tell you, well, give me Mike Evans and watch what I'm able to do with a player that is that professional, that consistent, and everything else. But but Baker has filled that role, and I think he deserves a ton of credit for that. That said, um, I just I. I don't think they can score with Detroit. And, and that to me is going to be the difference in this game is um, Jared Goff was really impressive against, against the LA Rams. I know he didn't have a great second half, but he made the plays when he had to make them. Dan Campbell made the calls when he needed to Dan Campbell, who has become my favorite coach in all of football, not because of the ridiculous quotes, but because you look at his game management, man, like yeah. the, the way that Dan Campbell, this is what's insane is Nick Sean McVay is is a is a genius coach. Like we have we have put that label on him as a football public, and we watched his butt get out coached by Dan Campbell. Like you watch that fourth quarter late in that football game, who had three timeouts and full command of the game situation. It was Dan Campbell and the Lions. It wasn't Sean McVay, and and who was making the right calls on fourth down? You know, using better use of the clock and everything else. Dan Campbell did all of that at the end of that game. He's aggressive. Um, he's smart. He's His game management to me is absolutely top-notch in the sport. I love watching Dan Campbell coach, and I think Detroit gets this game. I'm all about the quotes. Let's go fighting. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right, man. He, he has. I mean, just – and then I, I think part of it, like when, when they got so – so irate about how the, the the eligible receiver play went against against the Cowboys. So much of that was because of the work and preparation and, yeah. and and understanding of what they what exactly they were doing and how they conveyed it and all those other sorts of things. I think there you was see that. and also like when there's some subterfuge going on right there. Like Dan Campbell knew, like I'm trying to game the system, and I think he got smacked back a little bit for it. But like I give him credit for trying. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So. um Let's let's now move forward into into Broncos. I think, we, like you said, great great divisional slate. Interestingly, the Broncos went three and three against the teams that play uh, this weekend, uh, which yeah, I think that's an interesting part of this Broncos season. As I've now had a little bit of time to sit back and look at it, like this was if if you're looking for, I guess, um, reasons to be optimistic about what comes next, is this was the first season in a while that I can remember the Broncos on more than one occasion winning one of those proverbial games you're not supposed to win. Yeah. Um, they had a couple of those Buffalo obviously being one of them. Um, and when you've lost 15 in a row to Kansas city, I'd say anytime you beat yep. them at that point becomes one of those games as well. And um, even without you know, Joe Flacco, that Cleveland defense is special and Denver had a great game plan that day. Yeah. And you could throw Minnesota at the time was one of the hottest teams yep. in the league. And, and you, by all accounts, didn't really deserve to win that game the way that it had mm-hmm. played out. Um, you know, the, the, the second half offense for the Broncos was dreadful. Um, so I, I think that's something to be encouraged by is is if you're looking for, hey, maybe they they hit the ground running a little bit quicker based on the continuity, the understanding of what it is that they're doing so they don't drop these games because they also had more of the holy cow, how'd you lose that one right. game? And that, that's how you land at eight and nine. 
Um, but 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 the ability shown to beat good football teams isn't something we had seen um, for these Broncos in a while. Um, as we move now, obviously the first step in the offseason, the coaches had this this current week that we're in. They're, they're, they're at the end of their week off. They're going to get back early this week, pour over the roster, and that really starts the process of the big decisions that you have to make going into the to the league year, which is now less than two months away. Um, and it obviously all starts with Russell Wilson, Nate. Do you see anything other – any scenario other than they pretty quickly within the next couple of weeks signal – that they are going to release him outright and allow him to become a free agent. I'll be shocked if it's anything else. And, and for a couple of reasons, like the, you know, again, I do talk radio and we got three hours to fill a day. And so like, we've, you know, like keeping Russ now, what would it look like? You know, we, we've done that segment. Every talk show in town has, and I just, to me, it's completely untenable. And I think one the biggest thing here is that Russ doesn't want to be here and he doesn't want to be a part of this. And the slights that he felt, uh, I think are, are very, very real. Him saying, I want to be in Denver for a long time. Like, it's got a lot of bathrooms, but he does not want to be here. Like the the indignity of what the Broncos did to him this year between the contract discussion and the benching. I can't imagine a world in which a, a dude with that kind of ego and star quarterbacks or just okay quarterbacks like Russ is now, they have to have huge egos to succeed. So I don't see that happening. And and then the other question of like, is he tradable? And, and I've looked at some of those scenarios the struggle that I keep coming back to there is the Broncos have to draft players. They they have to draft a lot of players. They need more inexpensive players on the roster. George Payton um, is basically said that outright when he, when he did his exit press conference this year, that the Broncos would have to attach premium picks to Russ's uh, you know, to his outgoing package along with the contract to get anybody to bite on it. I can't imagine anybody will. I can't imagine um, that anybody is willing to take up that kind of salary cap space. They'll just sit back and wait for Russ uh, to, to get released, which is probably what is going to happen. So yeah, I, I, to me, it's just follow the logic on this and the the outright release with the post June first designation and splitting the money up over two years. To me, Nick, like I, it's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, it is, and I, and I think the 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 biggest takeaway that I had after after Sean Payton and George Payton spoke to the media a couple of weeks ago was. You know, Sean Payton came out and said, I told Russell Wilson, this is not going to be a long, drawn out process. Yeah. If you're trying to trade him, that's going to take time. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we know that uh, Amy Strunk made a decision to fire Mike Vrabel simply because she didn't want to go through the time that it would take to trade him and lose out on on a candidate. I, I think I took him at face value there that like they, they want to get this done yeah. um, quickly and a trade could take weeks, months, however long, um, because there, there are so many complicating parts of it. Like they could sit there and try to say, Hey, we're going to take most of this salary. If, and, and so perhaps there's a team that wants to get to the front of the line. So if the Broncos are willing to take most of that salary, they'll maybe send a fifth round pick, a sixth round pick. You could potentially have that happen, but I just think his money is so significant. And that is such a significant piece of what they are trying to do that they really can't afford to have that be an unknown. Like yeah. they need to know exactly what it is that they are dealing with uh, in terms of the, the salary cap implications, the dead money implications, and then be able to chart a path forward from there. You know, I, it was clear that they have already done all the math 
Um, they've already done all the all the blueprint oh, yeah. crunching. George like, Payton basically said that, like we yeah. we know, okay, we yeah. we've gone into this with our eyes open. That that to me is one of the funniest reactions to all of this. Of like, why are the Broncos making this hair trigger emotional decision? On what planet would they not have gone into this with their eyes wide open with a billion spreadsheets already printed out of every single scenario that they are going to go through? Like they employ people whose only job is to do these things. Yeah. And it's and it, it's not as if it started this year. This is this is something that started at the at the end of last season yeah. um, that they, they were charting this path forward at the end of last season, because, um, as we remember, that was Russell Wilson's worst season ever, um, yeah. in terms of, uh, raw metrics, advanced stats, whatever, however you wanted to look at it, it was terrible. And so there was already like, wow, one year into this potential seven year deal, this looks very bad. We have to, you know, it's, it, it was one of those hope for the best plan for the worst. Right. And, and, and they were hopeful that Sean Payton could come in and, or, or the coach that they hired and help him, um, you know, help him get things turned around. But it was very clear that that was just one part of that coach's responsibility because they, you know, it, that, that would be an impossible ask of anybody to come in and say, Hey, your, your job is, is hinging on whether or not you can get this quarterback. Um, I'm taking any other job on the planet if that's the case. <laughs> so right. they, they have, they have put themselves in a position where, um, they have, they have gamed all of this out, all the various scenarios that could occur. And that's why I just think because they've had so much build up time, this is not something that they're like, Oh wow, he got benched in week 16. We better start making a plan for how we're right. going to get out. No, this, this has been done forever. And now it's just a matter of, of pulling the trigger of the timeline on the calendar, all those sorts of things. Uh, it'll be an optic play as much as anything else. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to, it's going to move on from there. And then, so that'll, that'll take us into essentially the start of free agency with the, the draft to follow. And we just got done talking about CJ Stroud and Jordan Love, two guys who were picked in the first round, um, who have, who have very quickly changed the fortunes of their team. Um, that, that is why th- that will always be a, an exciting possibility. And as we've yep. talked a lot about it. Um, the one thing that the Broncos have not tried in their in their just absolute bucket of of uh, experiments at the quarterback position is drafting a blue chip guy in the top ten of the draft. They have that opportunity to do that, um, but again, it goes back to what you were saying a minute ago, Nate. They need players, they need talent, and any scenario for me in which they're continuing to sacrifice the draft capital in order to get there it is is just hard for me to see. I could I could envision a jump from hey 12 to 7 12 to 8 yeah give up a future second you know in addition to obviously this year's first um but to me it's going to be it's it's going to be some somewhere in that range can that get you Jaden daniels do you even like Jaden daniels right um there's just so much at play here that that makes it really really uncertain about how it'll all go down nick i i honestly i could see a scenario this year where the broncos say we like Jared Stidham. He's going into the second year in this system. We will bring in a Jameis Winston or whomever, somebody that has a familiarity with what Sean wants to do. We'll we'll have a training camp competition. I could see a world where the Broncos just say, you know what? We're trading 
out of 12. We're going backwards in the draft. We're we're adding a second round pick. We'll let some other team get up here and get aggressive and grab a J.J. McCarthy or a Penix or whomever they want to get at number 12 or some other player that some team could love at number 12. And Denver could simply say, we need to stock the cupboard up right here and we need more good players. Trade themselves back five, six, seven slots, whatever it may be and add something because they just got to they have to keep stocking the cupboard of good players and there is a world where the Broncos could get you know a guy in the 20s and a second round pick and they could add two starters boom right there in this draft and that might be the prudent move and quite frankly it wouldn't shock me in the least if that was the kind of move that George Payton is banging the table for right now because I think he's a guy that likes looking at it and saying I can do some damage in that part of the draft. Like Nick Benito's a good player. Marvin Mims going to a Pro Bowl in year number one. Javante Williams, like ACL aside, that's a really good player that I drafted in the second round. Like I I can get a dude right there. And I could see that being a very smart move. Not a sexy move, and people will pan it and they'll hate it, but I could see that being a really good move for Denver. Yeah, and what what that could also allow you to do is Obviously, we think if, if this kind of goes the way that we think it will in terms of, you know, taking on uh, half of Russell Wilson's dead money or thereabouts um, this season and, and limiting what you spend, although we've talked about it, there are a number of moves that they can make to to allocate quite a bit of cap space if they move on from some veteran players. Um, but but you're going to be, I think, in the economic shopping bin, yeah. um, the bargain shopping bin for quarterbacks and really any other position. But what you could do if, if you're kind of going in the draft with that strategy of, hey, I don't I don't like Jaden Daniels enough, mm-hmm. certainly to like give up draft capital and move up. We, we have no chance of getting all the way to one or two to get Drake May or or Caleb Williams. So let's let's add competition for Jared Stidham in yeah. this free agency market. A guy like Sam Darnold, who played well in Carolina last year and in, in the spots where he's played in, in that Kyle Shanahan offense um, has looked pretty good. He, he to me profiles as a guy somewhat like. Baker Mayfield, who has calmed down a couple pegs after being a top five draft pick and yeah. and and is, has matured, um, well, still has an incredible arm. Um, and, and now you you can get him for a one year deal relatively cheaply and, and let them do battle. Does it hurt anybody to spend it a year around Kyle Shanahan? Like, did, did it hurt Baker Mayfield at all to go hang out with Sean McVay for a while with the Rams and, and kind of see then what happened to them after that? Like, take advantage, even, even if the, the QB collective, even if those guys all hate uh, Sean Payton as, as much as they claim to, like, take advantage of their expertise. Those are guys that have coached some really good quarterbacks. So, yeah, that's that is Take advantage of a situation like that. I don't I've talked about Sam Darnold on my show. Again, my co-host, God bless him, Andy Lindahl, bleeds the Bronco orange and just, you know, bangs his head on the table when you talk about things like this. But these this is the, the these are the kind of prudent moves that the Broncos have to be able to make. And if George Payton is as good as what his reputation was in terms of being a scout and being able to find diamonds in the rough that he came in with, like th- this is his time to shine right now. Yeah, because you look at it and you I, I think they're going to have to be at a point where they just say we were eight and nine last year. Um, and, and to to Sean Payton's credit, he said. We were, you know, a couple, maybe a couple plays away from winning 10 games and being the playoffs. We were also yeah. a couple games away, a couple plays away from only winning six games. But they're in that mode where you're saying, 
okay, how can we get appreciably better this year uh, in this offseason, despite our, our limitations? The, the narrative that I, you know, you just keep hearing like, oh, they're, they're tied up with this dead money. They have, they have no way of, of getting better. Like, why? Like, right. you, have, you have veterans that you're going to move on from. If, if you do that, it's because you think that you can upgrade the talent. Like, they might trade Garrett Bowles. A, because it would save $16 million in cap space. It could potentially get you, you know, maybe a fifth round draft pick. Um, but also you you could say, hey, if we we think we could draft a tackle in the first, maybe the second round that that can comparably play to a guy that's 31 yeah. coming off a broken leg. And while he was solid last year, maybe they just simply think that that his his best football is behind him and mm-hmm. that somebody else can come in here and play and all of a sudden you you're you're better you're you're paying a lot less to that position that you can then allocate elsewhere get a few more playmakers um so this idea also, that they let's can't get not, any better doesn't make Nick, sense to me let, let, let's not sleep on Alex Polcheski okay <laughs> Now, now, where did he? Where did he go I, to college? ILL. How does that? How does that chant go? I and I, my friend. That's right. That's hey, my dude right there. Hey, they could have. They could have discarded him at, at any point. He he was he was a game day active in week eighteen. Darn right uh, he was. The the uh, the thirty five year old undrafted rookie out of uh, out of Illinois who played what a decade there I think. Um, uh, Zach Streep is coaching that man up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So no, but honestly, and they, they have you know they have another guy in Deion. Trey Jacobs, who um, in, in trading cap, you see this guy in the locker room every day. He looks like the biggest man I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> um, the nicest guy you'll meet, but uh-huh. but he's a guy during training camp. They said, "Oh, this is this is another." So they they do. They have two undrafted rookie tackles um, that 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 they're that they're high on. Again, that's we'll see. You could also add a, add a again a bargain player in free agency as they've done the past couple years. With Cam Fleming, they have Quinn Bailey, who I believe is a restricted free agent, but you know, get him back at a low tender, whatever the case might be. Um, again, Garrett Bowles is a good player. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not under the illusion that like you can just put anybody in his spot and you're going to get better. But he is representative, I think, of a path where you can you can achieve a couple different things. You can save some needed cap space. You could potentially get some draft capital, although it won't be a lot. Um, you know, cause he's a guy that right now has no guaranteed money left on the last year of his deal. Typically, mm-hmm. if guys are going into the last year of their deals and they don't have any guaranteed money, um, and, and it's pretty clear that the team wants to continue with them, we might've already seen an extension be done by now. Sure. Um, that's not to say it can't happen still, but, but just sort of being around that locker room, you got the sense that there were a couple guys in that mode. Um, him included that, that had a little bit of frustration with where they were at. I, I think it seemed to me like, Hey, why haven't they come to me? I, I, we have, we have one year left on this deal. I got no guaranteed money left. So, um, Cortland Sutton, a little bit of the same way. So again, I think that you can, you can upgrade some of these positions with the draft capital that you have, um, again, with, with some development from young guys underneath them, which to your point, Greg, George Payton talked about how, how instrumental that is going to be for them. Um, like, do we think that Riley Moss, that there's a there's a decent chance that he can step in and be a lot better than Fabian Moreau was? So again, this idea that they can't get any better, and again, they were eight and nine last year. Yeah. So so th- are they going to be contenders in 2024? No, but but this idea that they can't get any better that they that they've just been strapped it just to me doesn't match what what's possible in the next few months. 
And it, it just it doesn't match what they've been doing, you know, and, and the direction that they have been going. And to me, it really takes a lot of credit away from George Payton. Again, have they had premium picks? Have they had first round picks? No, like they made they made a terrible decision to give all of that up to get Russell Wilson. They made another costly decision to give all that up to bring Sean Payton in the door. And yet, like. George Payton has still been building this thing with the picks that he has had available. So let's let's not just completely discount that idea if we want to give Payton credit as being a good scouting GM, which is supposed to be his MO. He's certainly not a good quarterback trading or signing GM, um, but we know he has other strengths. Yeah, and not not a good coach selector either because that no. was that, that that was on him as well, Nathaniel Hackett. Um, so yeah, I mean that that's the thing, and and really, the free agency one is a question mark too. He, he gave he gave Randy Randy Gregory probably one of the worst free agency contracts of the last several years. So it's yeah. like the the three biggest things that he has done, um, you know, ha, have been have been awful. But that being said, it's like you can't take back the trade that that's done. You can't take back the fact that the that the Broncos gave up what they did to hire Sean Payton, which was an ownership decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, you just have to go forward with it now. And the reason that he is still here is exactly what you're saying. They believe in his scouting and drafting acumen. And that is going to have to be a critical part of how this thing gets built along with depending and relying on the fact that Sean Payton, whatever you think about his methods, the way that he does things, that he is going to build sort of their, their system, their offensive identity, their culture, whatever buzzwords you want to use, that he is still that guy you thought he was. And that's those two things coalescing are how you get better, how you go from eight wins to 10. And then, you know, then you have all your picks back, you have more cap space, and now you can kind of continue to build it. So I'm not, I'm just not in a mode and, and we'll kind of wrap this up here as, as we've set up the off season. I'm just not in this mode that they're going to get to the end of the draft and just be like, Oh, yep. See, told you they had they had thirty five million dollars in Russell Wilson dead money. So they're going to be they're way worse right. this year. I just don't see it that way. I don't, I don't see it either. And and one other thing that I got to give credit to is and, and you alluded to this year two of Sean Payton year two. OK, this this is players in the system. This is growing things. This is, you know, knowledge of your personnel and everything else like that. The guy has just been a winning football coach for way too long to not be able to be in a better situation going into his second year, going into his second offseason right now. You're exactly right. Are they contending for anything next year? God, no. No, they're not winning their division. Nothing like that. But I'm I'm not doom and gloom on the direction of this team right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and again, if, if, if you were, then, you know, you could be forgiven because that that's, it's what we've seen <laughs> year after year after year. So I, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not trying to arrest anybody of their, of their beliefs about how it's going to go down. I just, I just think that the, the, the narrative that they're incapable of getting better is to me misses the mark in a couple different ways and, and it starts with having more draft opportunity this year. Mm-hmm. It, it continues with, with what we just talked about with, with Sean Payton's growth and it, and third, I, I think to, and here is like the quarterback play. I, I don't know if whoever they put in is going to have better raw numbers than Russell Wilson did. Like at the end of the day, he threw, what was it? 26 touchdowns and eight yep. interceptions. Um, you know, he, he had the yardage, um, there were, there were some, some stats on the surface that were really good. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say, you're going to have a quarterback throw for 30 touchdowns and, and it's seven interceptions, but I think the offense can still be quarterbacked a lot more efficiently can finish a lot more efficiently. And in that way, the quarterback play can get better. Uh, any absolutely final thoughts, agreed. 
Um, wait, wait. What is your NBA Jam shirt? I need to see it. Uh, this this is um, this is Bird and Johnson, of course. All star, all star eighty eight. That was my um, the the only I covered the NBA for. I, I started that. Wait, an eighty eight All Star game, uh, Chicago Stadium. Yeah, yep, exactly. So Jordan, this, they were the, selling this the dunk contest. Yes, the dunk contest. The, the uh, famous yep. Nike poster, the Jordan threes. Yeah. So he yep. he was uh, this day. I bought this when I went to um, went to Chicago for the All Star game in 2020. Um, okay. It was two months before. Uh, it was like a month before the pandemic arrived, mm-hmm. and it was funny because you know at, at these big NBA events, there's always all these like um, you know r- reporters from all over the world, and there were a lot of reporters from you know china japan that 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 part of the that part of the country and and what i remember is a lot of them going around asking these players about you know their their awareness of covid19 and like sort of just you know how how is this you know and and i remember like i remember specifically anthony davis like just laughing at one of these questions and he's like you know yeah just you know you know wash my hands really good i guess like to it was it was nothing to anybody there but but you know these folks are just like mm, this is bad <laughs> you you need to know this is you need this to is know. really bad you need to know we're, we're here to tell you this is bad and um, uh and then sure real, enough yeah sure enough months, <laughs> a, a, month, a month later uh quick quick story march 7th 2020 okay uh, i think the world shut down on the 11th that was the day yep. that adam silver dallas um, that night yeah, closed down the NBA. Uh, the NCAA tournament was canceled and everything else. March 7th, 2020, uh, I called a um, Utah State-San Diego State Mountain West Championship game. I called it on national radio in an arena with 18,000 people. Uh, Sam Merrill hit an unbelievable 28-footer uh, to win it for Utah State and get them the automatic bid to the NCAA tournament, um, snapping an unbelievable season for San Diego State. And what was so funny was I remember we were leaving the arena and I was with uh, with our producer and, and we were driving to drop off the rental car. And he I remember him even asking me of just like, like, you think this COVID-19 thing is is in the States yet? And I was like, dude, we were just in a building with tens of thousands of people. It was in there, man. We might have it right now. Like yeah. this is the world that we are living in. Uh, but yeah, that was the last cool thing that I did before COVID. Um, and one of the most unforgettable basketball games that I ever called in my life. And Hey, look at that. Sam Merrill is now a decent NBA guy. So I'm excited there you about go. that. Yeah, there you go. My, my, I'll put my last story on it was we were in Dallas, March 11th, that night that you talked about. Um, it was halftime of that game yeah. uh, between the Nuggets and the Mavericks. When I go into the, to the media room, room and you get the alert that, that Rudy Gobert had tested positive for COVID and the season's over and all this kind of stuff. And you're watching this game, the second half, just in an absolute daze. Like, cause they you're finished about, the game. They, they played the game. I have never, I have never paid less attention to a game that I was covering than that, that second half of that game could not yeah. tell you a single thing that happened, but we're done. We're done at that game. And, and we go in and Tim Conley, the, then the general manager and, and president of basketball house for the nuggets comes to myself and Mike Singer, who's working at the post office at the time and says, Hey, like, we don't want you guys to have to like deal with the airport tomorrow. How, like, are you close to your hotel room? How quickly could you get your stuff and get back here? Um, and I, I, and I ran my, my hotel room was like three blocks away. I ran out of that arena. Um, like just, just booking it, went and got my stuff, come back, just, just die. Mike did the same thing. He ended up taking an Uber, I think met us at the, at the airport. Um, but, but just, 
you know, being on that plane on the way home, um, you know, Michael Malone comes up and says, Hey, do you think, um, you know, what are the chances you think someone on this, <laughs> this plane has COVID and, you know, just kind of like doing the math. I'm like, I guess it's possible. And, um, you know, and I, I think sure enough, he, he, uh, like a week later or something was the, the first time that he, he, um, you know, publicly said, I, yeah, I have COVID. So it was, um, it was crazy, man. It was just, it was a wild, I'll never forget that. Insanity. Absolute insanity, insanity man. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Nate, thank man, God thank we just so- have normal sports now with people in seats. It's yeah, great. Yeah. It seems, seems luckily like a very long time ago. Nate, yeah. thank you as always, man. Always appreciate your insight. Love, love talking ball with you. Enjoy the divisional round and, and uh, we'll be back here soon once some of these off season decisions get made. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Subscribe, tell a friend, let us know what you think until next time. Thanks for stopping by.